Tonight I'm a little tired, so I'm just going to ask the questions. Doesn't mean I won't talk. But <laughs> been out busy today. You have a question? I do on the class the other night. I don't know if we have time. It's not the question mark. It's the answer. The other night on the class, you stopped at a point where the devotee was. He only wanted this particular vision of Krishna in his heart. And he started to describe how that was different than Krishna being out of the heart. In, in the certain, at least I heard it in, in that way. Yeah, well, that's in the, the next uh, the, the next verse of Dhammadarastakam. He asked to see him personally. And so the theological difference between the two is an extended discussion. We'll have to save that, unfortunately, for the next uh, next class on, on, on the Dhammadarastakam. Okay. That's, that's, that's good. <laughs> so um, that was a question I posed to you the other night. It's the idea about the Vaikuntha Lokas and the devotees in Vaikuntha. They may have some desire to have the perks, as you refer to them, in Vaikuntha, as opposed to the Raghunu Bhaktis who just automatically just are attracted to Krishna and may be given those perks to render service. And I'm just wondering how those, if they want those perks, how is that pure bhakti? Also, they want the perks of being living on the planet of Krishna or having the forearms. No, there's a uh, misunderstanding in my obviously. Yeah, no, I understand your question, but um, a couple of things. One thing you didn't get right there, so let me straighten that out first. There are those who have desire for the opulences and the happiness of Vaikuntha. Um, and that manifests in four uh, types of liberation. Um, living on the same planet as God, having the same opulence as God, having a form like God's, being a personal attendant of God. So these are powers and happiness, if you will, uh, sukha, ishwarya, of, of, of the kingdom of God. So... If you can imagine someone living in this world has material desires and so forth, and then finds out that there's a kingdom of God where you can go, where you can live there happily ever after in his service and so forth, um, then that's uh, desirable, um, uh, arguably. And it's the nature of the happiness there, for example, is that it's eternal and never-ending, um, and differentiated in that way, the, the Vaikuntha world is from any of the material worlds, however wonderful uh, they, long they are, they are and however long one's duration of life might be. So there's a categorical difference between Vaikuntha and any other celestial um, or uh, planet or planet of spiritual practice like Tapalok, Maharlok, Janalok, and so forth. And so you hear about that and you want that good choice. Hmm? And you had association to 
to have heard about that and so forth. So you want to attain, you want to live in the kingdom of God. Hmm? Um, that is a... Um, Jiva Goswami refers to it as Sukhaishvari Uttam. So the desire to live in Vaikuntha with the, for the, I guess you could say the primary purpose of having the, the benefits of, of living there. Hmm? That is one type of devotee. And you're a little confused about that, but I'm trying to clarify that for you this is spiritual, spiritual happiness, it's spiritual opulences. You can't get those opulences or that kind of happiness in any other local, any material plane. Hmm? Um, so some people wisely, comparatively, to pursuing any material plane, they pursue that idea. And then there are those in Vaikuntha, uh, and there may be other distinctions as well, but these are the two we were discussed, where their um, ideal is, is primarily prem, in other words, primarily love. Hmm? And these are the types of devotees that are talked about in the verse of Bhagavatam. Kapilamuni says, Salokya sarsti samipya surupya kanti apiyuta. Now, in the verse, you can see that there are two types, just by understanding the verse, because the verse says, of the five kinds of liberation, one of which is uh, Brahma-sauja, which is undesirable for the devotees, there are four types of liberation, which I mentioned, Salokya, Sarasti, Samipya, and Sarupya, that devotees sometimes accept hmm, in the context of service. So they will accept it in the context of service. Hmm. So that's talking about a certain type of devotee, that they will only accept those things because they are a byproduct of serving the Lord of Vaikuntha. You have to live in his planet and, you know, and, and, and so on and so forth. So they accept them if it's necessary for service. So they are, that's a certain type of devotee that's being talked about. Whereas those perks, if you will, that opulence and happiness of Vaikuntha is secondary to them. They're not interested in it per se. They're interested in serving Bhagavan, and if in the context of serving that's part of it, then okay, they'll accept that. So that, that means it implies that there's another type of devotee who will accept the things and has desire for the things independent of their, as an ideal, rather than them as being a product of service. Service is not a, uh, in the forefront for them in terms of their motivation as much as, as is the, the benefits, uh, as it would seem, um, of, of living in Vaikuntha. So these are two distinctions. And then we have a third distinction as well, and that is the devotees that will, won't accept those, those opulences even in the context of service, hmm? because their ideal, first of all, is not the Lord of Vaikuntha, Narayan. Their ideal is is Krishna in Braj. Hmm? And so they only want to please him. Hmm? 
so they have no interest in going to Vaikuntha, or they don't, and they don't have love for that form of God. They appreciate it, but that's not their hearts. Um, uh, the deity of their heart, the Lord of their heart, Krishna is. So they're uninterested in Narayan. I gave the example of the gopis, Krishna appearing at his four-handed Narayan before them when he had disappeared and they were looking for him and they paid their obeisances to Narayan and they said, can you tell us, your God, you must know everything. Where did Krishna go? They weren't interested in that form. Hmm? So what are they interested in? They're interested in loving Krishna and these and in, 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 in when you when you live in Goloka, you're not in your own mind living on the planet of God. You're living in the village, and the planet of God is somewhere else. Hmm? Um, you you don't have a, a form like 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 God's. I mean, you do in one sense, but you know, don't look like Krishna, um, and um, and and so on. Hmm? So all of those things that were, you know, the personal attendant of God. It's not like anybody in Golok thinks they're the personal attendant of God in terms of their love of Krishna. So you see the difference when you say living on God's planet, opulences like God, form like God's, personal service to God. We're not talking about Krishna. Hmm? Yes, he's God, so we could be talking about him, but the experience of, of the intimacy, the Madhurya, that is all Aishvarya. Therefore, it said, "Suk Aishvarya." It's, it's, it's opulence. These are extraordinary things. I'm living on the planet of God. It's overtly transcendental. I'm the personal servant of God. I look. I got a form like God's. So this is not the ideal of the uh, the Godias, per se. Hmm? They want to live in Vrindavan as the servant of Krishna, and so on and so forth. So they're in a different category altogether. You have the two categories there in Vaikuntha, and one is is arguably more desirable than another, and they're arguably getting more out of the experience um, through their preoccupation with prem and service. And um, so there's, you know, there's a gradation, there's an overt gradation, and then you know, from another subjective point of view, I suppose there's not. Each person is happy in, in what in what they're um, doing there. But you can go to Vaikuntha and have the perks, if you will, by Karma Mishra Bhakti, by Gyan Mishra Bhakti, by um, Yoga Mishra Bhakti. When we're talking about Dasya Bhakti, it's moving much, obviously, more in the direction of Serving and the perks are secondary. I don't know how you would get uh, Samipya Mukti in Shantarasa, being the personal attendant. Uh, there are, there are, I guess you could say that there are personal attendants of Narayan that, that are just like decorations on the wall. Hmm? Um, uh, uh, having a form like him in Shantarasa that doesn't to play out very well in my mind, but there, there's a, there's a, there are different possibilities there. Hmm? That is the point. And either the two different categories, but the one, the lower category, if you will, is entirely different from any material. And that's, I think, the, the the point that you were a little bit struggling with. Um, um, ideal, and you know, the reason that you struggle with that is because even unknowingly, Prabhupada's disciples, for example, or anybody in our lineage 
is going to be influenced by the ideal of Vrindavan and the selfless example of the inhabitants and gopis and Radha and so on and so forth. And that's what you think is spiritual, and you're right. But there is a gradation of spirituality as well. And sometimes when we hear about the gradation of spirituality, we think, that sounds like Maya, <laughs> uh, comparatively. You know? um, so we, we, we don't even, without even knowing it, some of, for example, Prophet's early disciples were identifying with Dutta's influence. What is the Vrindavan Bhakti? What is Rag Bhakti? And so forth. Hmm? Not with any other... Vaikuntha ideal, either one of the two or, 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 or a third or fourth. I've told a story when I was just a young guy and then somebody had told me in front of the Los Angeles temple, you know, older devotee, you know, most of the devotees go to Vaikuntha. Hardly anybody really goes to go, goes to go, goes to Goloka. And I thought, how is that possible? I can relate to that. I went before the deities and I prayed to them and I wept. I can't, I can't, you know. That, that doesn't sit very well with me. That I, I found out later he was wrong, you know, so it was good. And, and I'm pointing out why. So without thinking about it, you're identifying with the ideal of Vrindavan in, in kind of an essence, a substance. Hmm? And so the ideas of Vaikuntha when presented, they, they, they don't like fit very well. They don't sound... But um, it's a big... Uh, big Big world there. I mean, Vaikuntha, you know, the the avatars, the faces of God are unlimited. There are different approaches. Even Bhaktivinoda acknowledged different approaches in different cultures that appear relative to the culture and afford some experience of transcendence and of the deity that arguably um, bears some of the um, some resemblance to the cultural. Uh, uh, um, Sensibilities of the practitioners. So, you know, the pearly gates and the idea. It's 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 a it's the the perennialist kind of perspective of Bhakti. You know, and it's, it's as the Bhagavatam says. After listing so many different avatars in the third third chapter of the first canto, it's, it concludes by saying they are what. Asankhya, uncountable, uncountable, like waves on the ocean. And what do they correspond with? The hearts of different devotees, so forth. Hmm? I mean, there's not a whole lot of, I wouldn't say, a whole lot of uh, um, examples out there of theistic traditions that would result in a Vaikunthesque uh, experience. There's a lot of it has to be an ego-effacing tradition. It has to be a theistic tradition. You know, I think of the saints in Catholicism, and if you study some of them, they have kind of a, often a Shantarasa perspective, or maybe just bordering on on Dasyarasa perspective. Um, and so, you know, we have all our details, right? And they say, well, they don't have all the detail. But then, as I said at other times, if you look at the Pushti Marg. Of the Balabas or the Ramanuja Sampradaya, or you hear the mud of philosophy, you think, that's not our philosophy. That, that, that's Maya. They're wrong. <laughs> there are different ways of explaining hmm, the transcendence and different approaches to it that, that affords different uh, faces or experiences of uh, Narayan in many forms and so forth. And so, I mean, as, as different as 
even, well, Ramanuja or Madhva, the terminology is from Gaudiya terminology in terms of explaining the, the, there are similarities obviously, but there's a lot of differences. Um, it's it's not too much of a leap to go to some rather um, uh, pristine form of the, you know, a, a, a Catholic Catholicism, if you will, a Catholic form of Catholicism, which fostered the saints and sacrifices and so forth, and people of extraordinary uh, spiritual experience. And although the, the, what they, how they articulate it, explain it, try to put it in words, may be different. There's also a ground of, of, of similarity to, that uh, uh, it can't be ignored, and so and doesn't have to be. It's our philosophy, um, of our theology uh, speaks of it, so to speak, without going into the details. And Asankhya, so we're they're not all described and. Uh, so anyway, so but they're not a lot. I mean, you know, um, um, there are different schools of Vaishnavism. There's I don't know much about the, the, there's the Jewish mysticism uh, that's a theistic group and so forth. Um, um, there's Sufism, which, which is influenced by Hinduism, and so on. So. Um, you know the great traditions, if you will, the mystical side of them, um, and so we've got a cornerstone of our teaching is that based on the approach, the experience is that whatever the sadhana is, is going to speak to us about the sadhya, about the goal. So, however different or nuanced the approach is, so however different or nuanced the the object of love and the world that surrounds him. Um, is going to be, and there are extraordinary possibilities. I mean, that's what the whole Bhagavatam is about. Different possibilities, as beautifully explained by Sanatana Goswami in his Brihat Bhagavatamrita. Different locus, different possibilities. And you could say, well, that's all of them. Anything outside of that doesn't fit. But, but I, I wouldn't. Uh, that wasn't the position of of, uh, of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, and it doesn't doesn't have to be. And you, you can't just deny. The overt um, spirituality of people, mystics and saints, because it doesn't fit inside of your um, descriptions of what exactly what it's supposed to be. When it is ego-effacing, hmm, but other details are, are missing, something like that. I mean, that's what we have done with Chaitanya Vaishnavism. Hmm. In other words, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was overtly spiritual, and so he better fit in the books, or the books aren't, you know, aren't complete. <laughs> if he's not in the books, what what he's about? So the Goswamis they found him in the books. So it's, you know, people argue with this verse is talking about Lord Chaitanya. Well, we don't think it's talking about. It just says this and so on. But they did a kind of an academic exercise to locate him, if you will, his ecstasy in the texts, and kind of went forward with the idea that well, if the, if, if this is not in the books, then throw out the books. Because this is, uh, you know, th- it has to be looked at like that. So I think you have to look as well, cross culturally to different spiritual traditions where you find real mystics and and so forth. And we have a really kind of um, inclusive perspective. Um, the Eastern traditions tend to be exclu- inclusive, whereas Western religious traditions tend to be more exclusive. Hmm? 
And Gaudiya Vaishnavism is very inclusive. It conveniently includes everybody, <laughs> so to speak. It, and it does so in a way that's much more um, amenable to the different traditions than Advaita Vedanta is that is often thought or presented as if it accommodates all traditions. It actually devours all traditions, swallows them, digests them, and they all evaporate <laughs> in Advaita Vedanta. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it looks all, all accommodating and so forth. Yes, Gaudiya Vaishnava, we accept that too. <laughs> except we don't accept that there's Leela and, and God's form is eternal. And what, would, what do you accept then? What part of it do you accept? We accept it as a path to Nirvishesh Brahma. Well, we're not interested in that. So there's some resistance to that. See, the perennialist perspective um, that uh, was popularized in, more, in modern time by Aldous Huxley um, uh, really was synonymous with Sanatana Dharma when you look at it which was thought to be synonymous with Advaita Vedanta, which again, was you're saying the last couple of nights when we're speaking about Prabhupada, it was pretty much across the board thought that um, around the world and in, in, in most parts of India as well, that Hinduism culminates in mukti of, of Advaita Vedanta. Therefore, you find these Christians arguing against Hinduism, um, and they're arguing against Advaita Vedanta. Hmm. Even today, you 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 will find them, and you think, well, I guess they don't understand. There are other forms of Vedanta, and we argue against it too, against the Vedanta, Vedanta, and so forth. So, um, yeah, Prabhupada had a big role in in changing that, and um, um, and so um, a a. Bhaktivinoda took a perennialist perspective, but a theistic perennialistic perspective. So he did away with the Dvaita Vedanta and came forward with, again, what, what, do, you, what do you call a theistic, and where, where the different cultural sensibilities are, are seen to be some type of reflection of the spirituality that they will attain, some facsimile of that, and God has the many faces, and so on and so forth. And then, of course, then you have to look the essence of the teachings, which we have to do in our own group too, and we have to look past the fundamentalist Gaudiya Vaishnavas and, and the bigotry and so forth in the name of of Gaudiya Vedanta that you'll you'll find in places, unfortunately, but it's 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 out and about everywhere. Look through that to the essential teachings and saintly persons who are presented and so on and so forth. So forth, and there we find some common. Common ground. So, anyway, Gaudiya Vedanta is, is extremely um, accommodating, mm-hmm. and you know, from that, that's a that's a fault from a pluralistic point of view. You know, you've got this exclusivist perspective: we're the only way, and then you got the, the inclusivist perspective: we're the only, we're not the only way; we're just the best way. <laughs> and then there's pluralism, you know, which is kind of like they're all equal kind of a thing. So you, we can say they're all equal. They're all equally good for each of the persons who participate in it, but we are willing to bring out a yardstick of objectivity and say there are some differences here. The differences you decide for yourself then whether the Godhead in the form that 
um, affords the devotee a relationship in dasya or shanta, in reverential love, is the full face of God or the form of God that is Rasaraj and and all forms of love are part. You know, it's a very powerful argument of the Goswamis. They say, basically, in tattva, it's all the same. God, Vishnu tattva. There's Vamana, there's Kurma, there's Nishringa, Ram, Krishna, Narayan, all good. And everybody says that amongst the Vaishnavas. Hmm? Of course, the, the, they'll say that Narayan is, is the fountainhead and he has different faces and so forth. Um, but all the faces are equal uh, and, and so on. But Rupa Goswami, Rupa Goswami, gives this very interesting argument from a very different angle of vision, from an aesthetic perspective, hmm? invoking the, the the term rasa found in Taitareya Upanishad. Raso Aisa, he made a whole lot of that, of that one statement. Brahman is rasa. And then he took the secular rasa theory, hmm? adapted it to as a m- mode of explanation of of bhakti rasa. Hmm? And so he compared from an aesthetic point of view, and he more or less said so. See for yourself. The Godhead who has more, greater capacity to reciprocate in love must be the full face, uh, the fullest expression of the of, of the of the perfect object of love. It's a it's hard to argue against, hmm? and you know. So so we have that we 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 could say well we feel that way because that's our object of love. Yeah, and you feel another way because that's okay too. And we we think your your way is as good for you as ours is for us. But then, but then. You know, there is this, uh, there is some objectivity to uh, if if you think intimacy with the deity is is better than reverence. You know, I mean, so it's a subjective call in one sense. But uh, anyway, that we're very in- inclusive, inclusive in a very uh, positive way. I would say because uh, we do honor the subjective experience of every devotee as being the best for them, hmm? and uh, so on. So anyway, we have got a samskar from our tradition to think about what spiritual life must be like. And if you look carefully, you see, what we were really talking about, if we were to dissect this, you're talking about Vrindavan. Hmm? That's what you've got a samskar for. And, and, and um, that's the value of, you know, Sadhusangas, and they have to play that out. What are the practices that will facilitate attaining that ideal, and so on and so forth. And in the context of that, we speak about it comparatively. That we might understand something about Vaikuntha and the possibilities there. And hmm, the preem of Vaikuntha is also a subject of the Bhagavatam. There's two: there's the Aishvarya and the Madhurya. Aishvarya, Madhurya of the Bhagavatam. I mean, it's emphasizing the Madhurya, but it needs the Aishvarya to emphasize the Madhurya. And then there is the Aishvarya unto itself, if you will, that uh, comes out, and there he is, Narayan. He wants to have the darshan of Krishna. <laughs> uh, that's a big point of the Bhagavatam. Narayan wanted the darshan of Krishna. So, what is the position of Krishna? You need to study the Krishna Sandarbha. It's very ecstatic uh, treatise of Jiva Goswami explaining the the central um, 
position of, of, of Krishna is presented in the Bhagavatam. It's very, very interesting. Hmm. So, does that help? Yeah? Yes? I guess I just still have a hard time understanding, like you're talking about, there's some devotees that go to Vaikuntha because they're really interested in the perks. Well, there are there are people who who, who go to who want Brahma Sayuja, right? Yeah. They want to enter into Brahman. That's what they want. You don't have a problem with that. I mean, I understand that. Okay, so they're they 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 have they they're doing uh, gyan or yoga, hmm? mm-hmm. and then they have gunavuti bhakti. Bhakti, who manifests in the mode of goodness, to assist them, because 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 the mode of goodness, which prevails over gyan, as the mode of pa- uh, passion prevails over karma, hmm, mm-hmm. is not sufficient in itself to afford us transcendence. A material influence cannot afford us transcendence. So bhakti is a spiritual influence. So she manifests within the mode of goodness to assist those who want to attain Brahma Sayuja to through yoga or through through gyan. So they go there. That is one thing. Then there are devotees who are doing bhakti mixed with karma, mixed with gyan, mixed with yoga. So this is the reverse out. So they're not taking bhakti as manifest in the mode of goodness, but they are taking a transcendent bhakti, mixing it with karma. Hmm? Uh, let's say you do karma according to the Varnashram and you, and you give offer the results to, to Krishna, to the deity. Hmm? Okay. Um, yoga mixed with bhakti and so forth. So so with the this is this is different than 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 uh, ananya bhakti. Hmm? Which is bhakti alone right. as a path unto itself. So the result is going to be different. Just like the result is different between those who do karma and mix it with the bhakti in the mode of goodness. They, they, or jnana and yoga. They can get sayuja mukti. The second group, hmm, who does bhakti mixed with karma, jnana yoga, they can get um, uh, attained by kuntha. But they're not doing ananya bhakti. Hmm? So they're not cultivating. Yeah, they care. They want to get something from him. What he got? They don't want to get material things from him. Hmm? They want to sit and and look at him. He's a pretty good looking guy. Hmm? Hmm? They want to uh, attain that. You know, they want to see the kingdom of God. They want to see God. Hmm? And that's what I want to see. I don't want to use my eyes for anything. I just want to see God. You know, something like that. So. So God hmm. is. They want to live on his planet, yeah, because he's because he is who he is. Yeah. So that's cool, you know. I mean, it's like, yeah, he wins every election <laughs> unanimously. So no pro- no problem. So then, then there are those who are doing an bhakti and they only want to serve, but they want to serve with, with Aishvarya. They want to serve God. Hmm? Not, not somebody who, you know, mm-hmm. uh, some coward boy, but God, hmm. Narayan. Hmm. Yeah, they understand. They understand Krishna as, as, a, as an avatar of, of Narayan, but but their whole perspective is uh, 
go to the kingdom of God to serve God, if they don't have any idea for transcendental eroticism or intimacy, a fraternal love or paternal love, it's, it's, they have no no place for that. That's all material, and then there's the love of God. Hmm. There's eros, and there's the agape, and we want the agape. So the transcendental eros, that idea is like, whoa, people in Vaikuntha going, what are you talking about? You know, And it's, that's Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So we, we just talk about Vaikuntha, we, we often refer to Vaikuntha realization and experiences ad, as adhoksaja. It means like beyond the senses, overtly transcendental. Whereas Vrindavan is talk, called is referred to as aprakrita. Prakrita means the material world. Aprakrita means it looks like the material world, but it's not. Hmm? It looks like it. So nityam bhagavata seva. You got to look real closely at the bhagavatam to understand this and sort this out and so forth. And that's what the Goswamis have done with their commentaries and treaties on the bhagavatam and so forth and so on. So they're really revealing something that's there, but you can see it's a hidden idea. It's a very um, extraordinary idea. You find a little bit there in the Pushti Mark, but Balaba was a contemporary of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Something there in the Nambarkis, but the history of the Nambarkasampradaya is, is um, hard to sort out. They said that Keshava Kashmiri was a representative of the Nambarkasampradaya. He met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Navadweep. Hmm. And so, a more modern and representation of the tradition um, it would seem uh, that the Nimbarkis, uh, I don't know the history well, but it would seem like they're influenced by by the Godis. But the Godi idea is different than that of the Balabas and the and the Nimbarkis, although they're both Ragmarg. Hmm. Um, they're they're not as human-like, if you will, <laughs> as aprakrita, if you will, as Gaudi Vaishnava. It's a very hidden idea, the secret leelas in the midday and so forth, these kind of things. So, it's uh, the dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's very... Um, Charming and it's very um, um, worthy of discussion in theological circles. The ideas are quite uh, revolutionary, hmm? and you know they have a basis in, in in the sacred texts. That's what the Goswamis did their homework. They showed that. Hmm? So, and we are touched by that. So that's what kind of works and makes sense for us. It's a very high ideal. Now, of course, we have to be practical in our pursuit of it, and our pursuit of it starts with Sharanagati, and the central limb of Sharanagati is Gokritvevananamtata. Krishna is my maintainer. Hmm? So you need to, as we were speaking earlier, to, you need to pray to Krishna to maintain you. You think, well, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to ask Krishna for anything. I'm only supposed to pray to Krishna to please him. Hmm? But it's not going to please him if, if you don't have anything, and as a result of not having anything, you can't practice bhakti <laughs> because of your, the stage that you're at and so forth. And bhakti is very generous. So, you know, on the one side you have 
karma. The other side, you have gyan, right? Hmm? In karma, you get abundance, but you get no, no mukti. Hmm? In gyan, you get no abundance. No way. Hmm? Hmm? But you get, a, and, and in yoga, but you get, you get some kind of mukti. Hmm? So you want abundance, or you want mukti, or you want abundance and, and mukti that's higher than the mukti that you can get in jnana and yoga. That's bhakti. Hmm? So we want our householders to be abundant. We don't want them to live like tyagis, like renunciates, because then no one will support the renunciates. <laughs> so the, the householders are there for supporting the renunciates so that we can have both both sides and tender to each psychology and so on. So we want the householders to be abundant. We want them to be uh, excel in their fields and so forth. So people will turn to them and say, wow, you're really good at that. I mean, and, and, and then they want to know about you. So by your very... Um, uh, application of yourself in your field um, with expertise, you draw attention of others and create a teachable moment. And they want to know what you're about. Invite them over and offer them some prasadam. Say, I eat this. This is what makes me the way I am. (laughs) Try it. (laughs) Something like that. So, um, you know, rather than just try try to force feed something on somebody, you know, chant Hare Krishna. What? You know, you, you, you become expert in your field, hmm? uh, whatever it is, within the, the limits of your necessities, and, and everybody is different, so the different psychological material needs. Someone may be happy living simpler, simpler. someone may be more of a mover and a shaker and need to move and shake, you know, uh, and so forth. So you do that. And so how will you be successful in that? Well, ask for Krishna's help. Hmm? We're not asking for Krishna's help. Hmm? We're going to ask the demigod for it. We're going backwards. We're going back to Barnashram. Krishna says, Ma may come, only me. So, now, when I'm in the context of bhakti, I want to attain prem bhakti hmm? and exist only for the pleasure of Krishna. Hmm? But I have to do that, approach that from where I am and so I depend on him in terms of where I am to get there. So I'm not praying for Krishna to give me money because I think money is the goal of religion and material abundance is the goal. I've got, we've got material abundance. We must be the best country in the world. Christianity must be the best religion because, you know, this is a Christian country. Really? Uh, and, uh, and we're the most abundant country. You know, you hear that kind of a thing, right? Um, so we don't mistake you know, that material abundance is the is the is the uh, the goal or the sole evidence of um, spiritual well-being, and it could be the opposite. Krishna could take things away from you. Of course, if you're if he thinks you can handle that, become a renunciate, then he may do that, and so forth. But um, um, so we we have the best of both worlds because we have we can live in abundance, and we don't have to pray to demigods for, we pray to Krishna. I need some help, Krishna, on this thing or that thing. And what happens when you do that? Like I was saying the other night, what happens when you do a sacrifice in the realm of karma in order to get a good son or a good daughter or, 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 or whatever you want to get? Hmm? What you get 
is 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 nothing but the, the tendency to sacrifice that grows within you the samskar for that that will stay with you forever that was something to build on what you get will come through your hands and it'll disappear even if it's attainment of heaven hmm? you'll 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 it's, your time will expire there and there you go but the tendency to sacrifice that's built into the karma marg hmm? the necessity of such to get that you will get by giving the tendency to give, the tendency to sacrifice, that remains with you. That's the real wealth. That's what to build on. So in our case, then, same holds true, but the tendency to depend on Krishna. This is Sharanagati. I said the central hub of Sharanagati is Gopritvevarananta. Krishna is my maintainer. So you have to ask Krishna to main, Krishna, you're the maintainer. So um, this is my situation. Prabhupada prayed to Krishna, give me the power to do what Bhakti Siddhanta asked me to do. So my situation is maybe different. Guru Maharaj asked me to, you know, sell Kapoma or something like you're doing. You know. So Krishna, give me the power, you know, to to, to do that. Hmm? And and yeah. And, and, and you know, and we want our members to be abundant and and of course in, in the context of that, to use their um, disposable income for you know, for for bhakti, hmm? or growing Krishna consciousness, um, and so so it's both the best best of both worlds. Like I say, you get abundance, you can live in abundance, and you can get well, transcendence, and you get a higher transcendence than you can get through gyan or through yoga. Hmm? So. Um, there is a there is a, a book written, I think, by Gopal Bhatta Goswami. See the Gopal Bhatta. I think it's Gopal Bhatta Goswami for devotees living in a in a Varnashram society. Hmm. See the Gopal Bhatta or Baldeva Jibushan. They live in a Varnashram society. They have no interest in Varnashram, but they have families, and so you, you know, when you have a family of kids, you have to have all the rituals and. So on and so forth, you know, some scars and, and but all this in Varnashram is all pray to this God Saraswati for this, Durga for that, and so forth. But Bhakti doesn't allow that because it's Mami come, Krishna's me only. Get, don't worship all the gods, worship me only. Hmm? And so he wrote a whole book describing how to do all the samskars and just like you're living in Varnashram, but only invoking the Vishnu mantras. And worshiping the one God for everything, hmm? right? Hmm. So, um, yeah, that's an important. What we were discussing it earlier. It's an important point because a lot of times, it's been the teachings have been presented in such a way that householders think that if they're going to be spiritual, they have to like live on nothing. You know, that's for the renunciates. The householders should have abundance and they should be honest, and and use their abundance beyond their their, their necessities to help. Uh, the spiritual mission uh, grow, hmm. and uh, the whole Bhagavatam section of Sukadev when he explains to Parikshit Marsh, if you want health, worship the sun; if you want this, worship this god; if you want this, this, this. In second, in the second canto, and then it culminates with a verse: Akama Sarvakama Va Moksha Kama Udaradi Tivrena Bhakti Yogena Yajete Purusham Param. Whether you have no desires, whether you have all desires, or whether you desire mukti, in any case, 
Tivrena Bhakti Yogena Yajeta Purushamparam. Worship the Supreme Person, Krishna, with intensely with Bhakti Yoga. So that's the power of Bhakti Yoga. It's it's good for everybody. So yeah, ideally we don't we don't we don't pray for material things. But it really means we don't pray for material things thinking that material things are the goal of life. Right? Hmm? But there are many examples of devotees in Sharanagati, in, in, in Gopritve Varanam Tata, or uh, exhibiting the uh, dependence, the idea that Krishna is my maintainer in, in, in Sharanagati, and Rakshikshata um, Divishvashvo, um, Krishna is my protector. Hmm. So, so there's not a huge difference between the two. There is a, is a difference, but um, I think in maybe in the Ramanuja Sampradaya, it's thought that Krishna is my protector. That's the central hub of of uh, Sharanagati, and we say that following Bhakti, we know that Krishna is my maintainer. But there's a subtle difference. But in either case, you're going to depend on Krishna for your maintenance. It doesn't mean I'm just going to sit there. And Open my mouth, or I'm just going to just sit here and chant, and Krishna's going to depend on Krishna for my maintenance. I ask his help, and I do the work. You know, God helps him who helps himself. They say so, something like that. Um, and and for protection, there are many examples of the devotees praying to Krishna for protection. Taking that's the whole Govardhan Lila, right? They all took shelter of Krishna for their maintenance and their protection from Indra. Hmm? Um, so they were all all household. They all had. Potential for householder life, except for Purnamasi and and Madhumangal, <laughs> or they were in householder life. Uh, we have the uh, uh, Sudama Brahman. His wife said, "Hey, you know, like we need some food here around here. You know? We're householders, remember? <laughs> you married me, you know, you know. And by the way, your buddy, your school classmate, buddy, he's the prince now." You know, you know somebody. It's not what you know; it's who you know. So, <laughs> go there, ask him for something. He was thinking, "How can I ask him for something?" Of course, Krishna. He he brought some chipped rice, and Krishna stole it, and then he went home, and his house was un, un um, um, it was unrecognizable. It was a palace, had servants and everything. So, the material well-being was provided by Krishna for his devotee. Hmm? So, yeah, otherwise you get in this kind of space, like, well, I can't pray to Krishna for material things, but I need material things. I can't pray for him. My spiritual life's over here. My material life's over here. I'm like, what's going on, you know? How do I work this out? So, this is how to bring bring them together. And if you develop the tendency to depend on Krishna, well, for whatever reason, that's good, right? The, 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 the tendency that Krishna, I depend on him, you know, for anything, everything, then that's that's the real reward that you get, hmm? isn't it? So just like in the karma mar, the reward is the sacrificing that you that you do. You're thinking the reward is what you get, but the reward is really what you gave. You can only take with you what you give. Hmm? So, to develop 
this asamskar, that Krishna is, is my maintainer, that's good. That's important. Hmm? And there'd be different ways to do it in household life and in, in monastic life. And they properly understood they work work together. Hmm. It's an important point, huh? Yes. Um, so I've been reading the Bhagavatam that I feel like really, really encouraged by it. My Prabhupada's reports are really, really awesome and inspiring. But there's um, a lot of things that like he talks about that were, you know, for like time and circumstance and kind of like where he's coming from about like like women and Varnashram and stuff like that. And like now devotees are getting super kind of, um, you know, confused about these things. And um, it almost seems like, it's like I know that, you know, it's like the Acharyas are supposed to, um, you know, it's like we need new commentaries for time and circumstance, but it's like the Bhagavatam is such like a big undertaking. Um, and it just seems like, yeah, I and mean, it's just like really, really confusing, and then a lot of devotees are confused, and then it seems like partly is because like they're not under someone like taking shelter for Guru or those kinds of things. So can you maybe like comment on that? Like. That's why you need a guru. That's why you need a guru parampara. And then that's just the uh, compelling evidence um, for that. The fact that they're not is, you know, that's that's certainly a problem. So they don't have an ongoing dynamic understanding. You can't, all commentaries are good. We looked back to the commentaries of hundreds of years ago even. But what's really valuable is new commentaries, which would draw from those essential points and add essential points and points that are very relative to the audience of the day. So, you know, there there's that tendency to, like, um, take on, some, on some person's part only Prabhupada's books or only translations of other commentaries, but any new book is comes suspect. When I wrote my commentary on Gopal Tapani, uh, God brother of mine named Giriraj Marsh read it, and at that time, anyway, he wrote to me, he said, that book was such nectar, he said. He said, I, at first I was reading and I was thinking, now wait a minute, what part of this is is what he's saying and what part is is what Jiva Goswami or Prabodhananda Saraswati is saying? Because I'm blending them sometimes, I'm citing them and so forth. He said, but then I got about halfway through and it was just such a blissful, I just forgot about that. <laughs> so, that's, that's good, right? Mm. Right, so, so we, we need the ongoing commentaries and and there's no you know what to do about the problem that people don't realize that you have to tell them that you know we have to set an example like that there's no other solution to the problem i mean yeah if if someone today wrote another entire commentary on the bhagavatam you know it wouldn't get the circulation that Prabhupada's bhagavatam is does because of the religious fanaticism that's uh, that's out and about unfortunately Hmm? Um, because we were young people, we were the first people touched with Gaudiya Vaishnavism outside of India, and Prabhupada is the only thing we knew, and there weren't there wasn't anybody else, so he was everything to us, and so forth and so on, and and that's how we lived, and so after he departed. Many people just continue to live like that. I think this is Gaudiya Vaishnava, this comes from Prabhupada. Um, yeah, there's some other people out there that did it before, you know, I guess. 
but but they're not very relevant anyway. Probably saved the whole world, you know. He came, and you know, I can understand how they they think like that. It's good in a sense, but it's like, you know, it's, it should be obvious now that Prabhupada pioneered, you know, for the tradition in the West or the world, Western world, and that he was introducing us to something that had been around for a while. I mean, they know the theory of that, but the significance of that, the implication of that, is wow. Not there's also commentaries from the past that you can look at. Hmm? And you can see that from that even that here's something time and circumstance that Prabhupada's writing. It's some Prabhupada's purpose. He's writing things about things that are going on in, in Iskon at that very moment, you know, that he just dealt with in a letter to somebody. Hmm? And now he's bringing it out in a, you know in the, in the purport. There's nothing wrong with that, but you know, that's um, an example of something that uh, he's dealing with in terms of time and circumstance. So there's a whole you know tradition. So, and Prabhupada wanted to bring out other books and have his book trust be very dynamic and so on and so forth. So, he mentions in the very first uh, purport to the Bhagavatam about the importance of the commentaries of Vishwanath Chakritagura, Jiva Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, and a student, a thoughtful student would do well to study them very carefully, he says there, something to that, that effect. I mean, I don't know how you can ignore that and just skip over that and so forth. Hmm? But, that's what he says, and for good reason. So he's, you know, a pioneer of something, hmm? and that that something is, is is a tradition, and a tradition of commentary, and so on and so forth. And you have to, you have the opportunity through the uh, acharya to enter into all of that, and take it, ad, advantage of it, and so forth. And then you're going to locate your own acharya in time and place and history, and be able to glorify him or her accurately. In terms of what they actually did, instead of, you know, inaccurately glorifying them in a form that, in a way, that turns into kind of religious fanaticism and makes everybody else not only irrelevant but bad or something like that, that's the real, you know, problem that that you see. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it's that's what the guru parampara is supposed to. Um, make up for that, you know, that, to have ongoing commentary. But even if someone was to write a whole commentary on the Bhagavatam, I mean, I wrote a commentary on the Bhagavad Gita. It came out in like 1999 or something like that. You know, um, a decade and a half and more ago. And I got so many negative comments, like, who, who's he to write a Bhagavad Gita? Prabhupada, he wrote the Bhagavad Gita. Like when Krishna wrote the Bhagavad Gita, you know, Krishna spoke the Bhagavad Gita. You know, the Prabhupada did his already there. Who does he think he yeah, is? You know, but now several of my Gabbards have come out with commentaries on Bhagavad Gita, you know, and translations and so on and so forth. I led, I broke the ground there for that. You know, and I go, yeah, you know, it's okay. It's it's it's, it's the basic book. You know, the the most basic of our scriptures. So Prabhupada said the first business of Acharya is to make a literary contribution. So start with the Bhagavad Gita. It seems reasonable. You know, the place for that. Uh, but it just shows you how, you know, where the, the, the consciousness was to, to be so opposed to that and, and think it was impertinent overstepping, as one fellow called it, you know. I mean, it's 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 a very shallow uh, and problematic understanding. I mean, it's a misunderstanding entirely. 
Um, so, misplaced, you know, faith, uh, sentiment without philosophy turns into religious fanaticism. Hmm? And it's a problem. And that's really what you're talking about without using the term. And so, what's the solution to it? Well, we are talking about the solution, and you just have to keep talking about it and exemplify it yourself. Hmm? And, you know, the more that the that the the commentary, the explanations and so whatnot are not um, current in a way that they're going to touch people in the world today and so forth, the more your tradition in the name of being pure and chaste to the truth and so forth and misidentifying details with principles, the more you're going to become obscure. Hmm? And so... When the commentary is relevant to the time, it'll touch people, and that will have some, some life and so forth. So, that, that's um, it will uh, show itself in due course for objective people who have a look, you know, eyes to, are interested. They look, you see. But yeah, it's it's a big uh, it's a big problem. Mm. Yes. You're kind of starting to t- touch on a little in your answer there. Um, so I was wondering what your thoughts are on when devotees experience like a very instrumentally well done kirtan, they describe it as like ecstatic, or um, maybe they meet a devotee that travels a lot and doesn't have many possessions, and they call him like an avadut. And it's like these terms that don't really apply exactly, but they kind of try to use them. Uh, well, you know, static can be a bit of a cliche. That said, it's possible also that when the, the, the kirtan is done musically in a way that is um, musical, <laughs> uh, uh, proficient, let's say, that that on a certain level, devotees will have a, it will afford them a better capacity to get absorbed in it because they'll be distracted by an offbeat or an off key or or something like that. Hmm? It's said in Ruchi Bhakti, there are two two stages: one where he he can get or she can get absorbed in and draw a taste from chanting, for example, if it is done musically correct, and if it's not, then he or she doesn't enable to draw from it. In a more advanced stage, even in the offbeat or whatever, he or she can can draw from it. So there is something to be said for that. There is a you know better form and lesser form to kirtan, and we should want to do it right. Of course, you know, beat it with feeling was you know, Prabhupada's you know statement, and and that's the heart of the whole thing, right? The heart's in the right place, and so on. And we may not be musically proficient, but anyway, we, we can do kirtan. It's not dependent upon that. But it may be that a kirtan that is more musically proficient, so what affords uh, a devotee a greater opportunity to be absorbed than he can otherwise, and he gets some absorption in the name, and so he experiences some, some bliss, and he says it's ecstatic, or 
it may be that um, he he likes the music, and he thinks that's ecstatic, and we see we do see things like that, you know, kirtan kind of professional like, and it's very musically oriented, and people are boogieing in the audience, and everybody's just ecstatic, you know, and so that's you know the other side of it where it becomes a cliche and it doesn't really apply to having experienced you know, transcendental bliss from the kirtan and so forth, and it's just kind of a, a boogie, whatever, you know, <laughs> musical thing. Get up and dance and and so forth. And, and, and then, um, so that helps with that. And then with the Abadut thing. Yeah, an Abadut is, uh, I mean, I think it's kind of, sometimes you might say, the guy's like an Abadut. You don't really mean he's, he's really an Abadut. Who, Abadut means who can who can go low and stay high, something like that, who like Nityananda Prabhu could go to the bar, you know, and, and, and talk to the prostitutes, but never be influenced by them, but influence them in, in bhakti. Hmm? So, or he's an unconventional in his behavior and so on and so forth, right? But he's deeply absorbed in in spirituality at the same time. Now, somebody may have the unconventional behavior and someone may say yeah he's like an abadut but the like is a big part of that <laughs> he's like an abadut but he's not an abadut he's abadutish <laughs> something like that um, and it's referring more to his you know psychology temperament uh, you know personality and so on Otherwise, yeah, it's it's avaduts in the, in the full sense of the term. They're, they're they're kind of hard to find type of person, like a Bamsi Das Babaji, or even a Gorakishore Das Babaji, who's like a, like an avadut, um, yeah, soaking the doll in a in a, in a skull that he got from the cemetery and in Ganga water and eating it the next morning, wearing wearing clothes from the cre- that were thrown at the, in, away at the cremation place, you know. It's Abadut-ish, in the real sense of the term. So there's kind of stories there about Gorkishore. So, but there is a, and this is what you're talking. There's a tendency to um, um, take terms that are um, apply to something very deep and wonderful and beautiful, and make them very uh, cheapen them. Mm-hmm. And that's that's un, un, certainly unbecoming and an unfortunate. Uh, um, and you know the worst, it, it, yeah, and it's a good point because the extreme of something like that, where then it starts to become obvious to some people now, but may not later on, um, is where the guy really becomes ecstatic in the kirtan, and he starts screaming and rolling on the floor and and so on and so forth. He's really not ecstatic, but I mean, that's what I mean, he's taking. I'm ecstatic, and this is what you do when you're ecstatic, ah, you know. I mean, and and this is it was uh, it's more common uh, in India. Someone in the class then hears it, and you're telling Leela, and then he goes, ah, you know, and 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 so on. And then that could really happen, but it but it's very easy for it imitated and it's more obvious that this guy's not in ecstasy you know I, you know this is weird he's 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 just you know materially emotionally you know reacting and so on and so forth um but um 
keep it going like this for a while, and you know it'll turn to that, and that's the whole cheapening of all the, the concepts and the ideas and so forth. And while we don't see a change in character in the person, suddenly he's thought to be an avidut, ecstatic, rasic, um, and, uh, and and so on, and it, and and that. Um, uh, you know that the tasting of rasa, for example, is is readily available, easy, cheap. This is a how uh, what Bhakti Siddhanta invoked the term sahaji, which means like natural or without hmm? spontaneous, without trying, you know, or something like that. Um, he used to translate it as you know, like cheapening the the ideal. Hmm? And there was a fair amount of that going on that he was reacting to. It's exactly what you're talking about. And it's just taking certain forms today that are seeds of that whole flower, that's that weed, if they're seeds of that weed, if you will, it's very unbecoming and it'll choke the creeper. And so it, it, it should be addressed. Hmm? What do you mean ecstatic? Did you mean, what did you mean? You know, you can, you can try to address that and help people. Mm. Um, in fact, uh, just uh, along these lines, it was t- typical in Godiamath, mm, the mission of Bhakti Siddhanta that people didn't dance during Kirtan. And if they did, then they were they were they were the an- the anubhavs of of their bhav. Mm-hmm. It was typical in this kind of just you know. Dance and jump off the walls and all kind of stuff, you know. Well, that was uh, it was uh, it was the last kirtan I was in and and it's gone. They had this, they made a circle and this guy got in the middle and did this break dance and I guess that's it. That's gone too far for me. I'm out of here. That was, I'm not saying I do that everywhere, but that was one the last kirtan I was in. 1984 or five, something like that, in the Brooklyn Temple. So, um, but you know, I mean, I think that they, they, there's also the the a Western person in the new tradition. He's in a kirtan. Now he's wearing a robe or something, you know, a mark on his forehead, and little you know, people can be a little self-conscious and and intimidated and so on and so forth. And it can inhibit them from getting into the kirtans. I think that they, they kind of like push the dancing and lighten things up a bit, you know, and and it did help people to get a little absorbed, so I'm not, you know, opposed to that, but it can get out of hand um, and get the best of the, of the kirtan and take away from the kirtan rather than adding to it. Hmm. I remember once in Los Angeles, Bob went on this big heavy guy. He was a sannyasi, he started this like one-two step dancing like this and proper looked at him and he said afterwards I saw Bhavananda with the dancing and I thought he's a, he's attained the bhava and then I realized it's just his, his mental concoction he was making up a jig you know to, so he didn't tell him to stop it or anything like that but you know um, so in Godiamat they were they were like that that was a, so they'd come and see boys and girls dancing in a temple and I thought what's this they're having a like a uh, you know a, a rock fest in the temple you know in the name of kirtan that's how some of the elders of uh, Gaudiya Moth would 
would, would think about it, and understandably, you know, because it wasn't what they were thinking either, but, but it, so, yeah. I have a totally unrelated question, but in, I'm reading in that Prayo Bhakti Pranarnava. Rasarnava. Rasarnava. And there's lengthy descriptions of the opulences in Vrindava and all these different courtyards and jeweled pillars. Yeah. Sounds like Vaikuntha, but it's Vrindavan. Well, it's the Deva Leela, so they have the Nara Leela and the Deva Leela. So in Golok, the Deva Leela is more overtly transcendental, if you will, even though it's it's human-like, than the Nara Leela, the human Leela here on Earth. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and uh, those are meditative kind of descriptions also um, by different devotees that they don't have to include those kind of details either necessarily um, but um, uh, the Deva Leela they know that they were here they, 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 they now they've attained Golok they know they're they think this is what liberation is. You, you know, you, you go with your family and your friends, something like that. <laughs> that's, very, that's why it's said that in, 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 in Goloka they all want to take birth in the, in this lila. Everybody here, the sadhakas, want to take, go there. And this one is more auspicious, more, 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 more facilitates the, the expression of, 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 of rasa, the sweetness because it's. Like, a, like I've given an example, the film, filmed on location, it's supposed to be a plus, something like that. The simple forest and the Jumuna and the yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. pastures. And yeah. Um, so, Priya and Amrasakas are like Krishna's bosom buddies. I'm wondering, how do they relate to Radharani? Are they like servitude, friendship? Yeah, servitude. Mm-hmm. So friendly, yeah, they're, they're friends, but... but they have some. They, they, like. Um, um, service in the context of bringing the couple together, but they, they, they may. They're not like, Om Radharani. How are you today? <laughs> you know, it's not like that. <laughs> And the Manjaris, they're also servants of Radharani. They're not her friends. They're servants. Raghunath Daskasam says, I don't want to be the friend. I want to be the servant. Now, there's a distinction, because all the servants in Vrindavan are also friends, so pretty much touched by, pretty much all touched by friendship, so something like that. Hmm. Well, her close friends, aren't they, sir? Baladev has said to have parental affection for Radharani. He's a little different. Radharani's closest friends are like Lalita and Vishaka. I mean, they're, they're also serving her, too, aren't they? Yeah. But they're her friends, not her... Not like Ramon. They're similar, but... Because they have subordinated themselves to Radha, although they could be group leaders themselves. They subordinated themselves to Radha. But still, there's a distinction between them and the, and the handmaidens. Mm-hmm. 
They have their assistants, Priyasakis, and then there's the Nityasakis and Pranasakis there, or the Nanjaris. So, they, therefore it's called Radhadasyam. Hmm. It's very peculiar. It's actually Madhurya Rasa for Krishna, but it takes the form of Radhadasyam, of service to Radha. Hmm. So the Priyanarmas have a similar perspective. They serve the gopis. They have a desire to experience. They 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 are attracted to the gopis' love for Krishna, so they serve that, and so their their friendship becomes imbued with that in such a way that they can be empathetic, and then participate in in the lila, in in speaking to Radha and Krishna, and helping to bring them together and bring messages and so forth. And they're empathetic, sympathetic to their plight. Whereas some of your friends might not be friends that you could talk to about your love life. Some other friends are closer. You, you can share all of your you know, ups and downs with and so on and so forth. And, and um, he's got a sympathetic ear, something like that. So they want to serve Krishna in every way. And this is an aspect of Krishna that's not accessible by Vatsalya Rasa not accessible by Sakirasa or Dasirasa. But the Priyanarma has access to that aspect of Krishna, hmm? that face of Krishna, those emotional that emotional reality, hmm? by way of his taking shelter of the gopis. So he has gopis he takes shelter of, and he has friends of Krishna that he takes shelter of. He takes shelter of Subal and and Radharani, or Madhumangal, and Lalita, and Ujjwal, and Vishaka. So he has a group leader on the male side and a group leader on the female side. But it's predominantly, he's, it is Sakirasa, so it's influenced. He wants to, he wants to, he wants to, he's attracted to the gopi's love, but the gopi's love is, is both for with a desire to have union with Krishna, or with a desire to create a union for Krishna, between Krishna and Radharani. So he has that kind of interest. Hmm? Not, you know, I don't want to have a romantic relationship with Krishna. He wants to be, be Tadbhava. Hmm? Like, that's exactly like the Manjaris want, but it's in the context of his Sakirasa. So there's a fine uh, difference between the two. Hmm? But it's, uh, in a sense, of, uh, with, with regard to the Taking shelter of the gopis, it's in Radha. It's a it's a form of of, of Radhadasyam in the context of Sakirasa. For the Manjaris, it's Radhadasyam in the context of Madhurya Rasa. Hmm. Krishna is the object of love, and Radharani's kind of elevated to be the co-object of love in the Manjari Bhav and and. Um, you could argue in some respects for the Brinarmas as well. Yes. Do those in the Gopas and Sakyas see Krishna as being old for his age? Because we see them as equal. But he said that he's old. They're old for their age too. Mm. Otherwise, what are they doing with romantic affairs at such a young age? <laughs> the other guys are. You know, yeah, they're. Pretty much the same age as Krishna, same sense of maturity. 
All right, we'll stop there. Sri Sri Gaurada Madhava Ki Jai. Gauri Vaishnava Guru Parampara Ki Jai. Gauri Bhakti Guru Ki Jai. Gauri Bhakti Guru Ki Jai.